welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Merry Christmas, friends. It's good to be together with you tonight. Uh, this is one of my favorite gatherings that we do uh, in the year where we gather together and we remember what happened in the 2,000 years ago in the middle of nowhere in the Middle East that changed our lives, the trajectory of our lives and of our world. Got a couple just quick, uh, just pieces of info for you. I want to set this up so you uh, understand what's coming at you. The first is, uh, if you didn't get a worship guide when you came in, you're going to want to grab one of those. Uh, While we do have some technology going and screens going, there will be no words on the screens. Uh, So you'll need one of those worship guides to participate well. Uh, In that worship guide, as you follow along, as you read along, as you pray along with us, we would invite you to read the bolded parts with us. Mike will be reading those parts, so you can join with him when you see things bolded. We're going to be going slow. We're going to unwrap this moment slowly. We're going to savor the story, each little part of it. We're going to take our time and be contemplative and give the Christmas story some space in our hearts tonight. Tonight, as we remember, sing, and pray this story, uh, we're going to use an icon that's this image behind me uh, to help us visually engage with the story. This icon was painted about 1400 by a guy named uh, Andrei Rublev. He lived in, in Russia, uh, and this is called the Nativity, and it actually uh, still to this day hangs. You can sort of see it in the Church of the Annunciation in Moscow. And icons aren't just paintings. They're not just pictures of something. They're not just works of art. They're works of art and prayer. And what they're meant to do is they're meant to transport us, those who see the image, They're meant to transport us into a different reality. They're windows. Icons are religious images that hover between two worlds, putting into colors and shapes what cannot be grasped by the intellect. They render the invisible visible to us. So as we sing and pray through the Christmas story tonight, look at the picture, look at the icon, see the story, and wonder. Let's just begin with a moment of silence together. My name is Micah, and uh, I, I'm going to be reading the scripture for this evening. And I want to invite you, uh, if you'd like to read along, you're welcome to. But I, I would also invite you to maybe even just close your eyes and imagine uh, what you're hearing. Um, so we'll begin with Isaiah 25. For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in their distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat, the breath of the ruthless pounds against the wall like heat in the desert. You will bring down action of the astray, like heat by the shade of of a cloud, the song of the ruthless shall be brought down. 
And on this mountain, Yahweh of the hosts will make for all peoples a feast of fat things, a feast of aged wines, of fat things full of marrow, of well-aged wines, well-refined. And God will destroy in this mountain the shroud that shrouds all peoples, the veil that covers all nations. God has swallowed up death permanently. And the Lord, Yahweh, will wipe tears away off all faces. And the dishonor of God's people, God will take away from off all the earth. For Yahweh has spoken it. And it shall be said in that day, Here, this is our Elohim. We have waited and God saves us. This is Yahweh. We have waited. We will be glad and rejoice in God's salvation. For in this mountain, the hand of Yahweh will rest. As we begin with the story and as we begin with the image, we start like beginnings start throughout all of Scripture with darkness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and there was darkness. Began in the middle at darkness. Jesus comes and enters into our darkness to an oppressed people people waiting, a people crying out, a story not unlike the story of the Exodus, where they cried out, Yahweh, our Savior, where are you? The Christmas story begins with waiting, it begins with darkness, it begins with hope. And so that's where we begin this evening. And the question God, where are you? Where are you in this story? Where are you in our lives? Are you in the darkness? Is that really you? We begin waiting. Join me in a prayer for waiting. We are a people who hope, who await the return of our Messiah. God is and will fully renew the world through Jesus. Through his love, all wrongs will be made right. The Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to the Lord's temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, God is coming. Rejoice greatly, shout in triumph. Next in the image, we move down just a little lower to the person, the one who is supporting Jesus, the one upon whom Jesus sits, Mary, his mother. And her story, her part in the Christmas story, of course, does not just begin on the night Jesus was born but it began nine months earlier when an angel showed up and told her, by the way, you're pregnant. 
and it's not just any pregnancy. You'll be carrying the Messiah, the one God had promised. Do you see that in the image, how she supports how Jesus is underneath? And if you look at it closely, one of the things, she doesn't look at him. She looks away. Is it because she can't understand what's happening? Is it because she's still afraid in this moment? There's words that Mary says after the angel tells her what's going to happen. She says, be it unto me as you speak, as you say, as the Lord wills, because I am the Lord's servant. This 14-year-old girl with nothing says yes, says okay, says be it to me as you say, to God's invitation. From the Gospel of Luke, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And Mary said, Behold, I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This night, we meditate on Mary's words. Together, we speak her words, longing our hearts to be like hers. It was a dark night. And could you hear in Mary's song? This wasn't the silent night, the meek and mild that we sing about and we remember. It's not laced with nostalgia. There's revolution, there's revolt. There's freedom. There's a cry in her words. And there's a a person in the Christmas story that's not pictured King Herod. 
Caesar, the oppressors. This wasn't just some sweet, silent night. In the bottom corner here, uh, you see Joseph with his head down. He's traditionally never depicted in the early church, at least, uh, next to Mary in the manger scene. He's always somewhere sort of off to the side, and he looks dismayed. And if you study and you read about this image, um, it's not quite sure if that's supposed to be Satan who's talking to him or if it's supposed to represent the voice of doubt and despair. But this moment for Joseph is something scarier. Now, Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem because that's where Joseph's family was from. Now, imagine ending up in your hometown and having to go to a hotel. You have to go to an inn. Why would you have to go to an inn if that's where your family is from? Shouldn't there have been room in someone's home for Joseph and pregnant Mary? No hospitality for them. So they make their way to an inn, and there's no room for them in the inn. And for me, this is where the story, I pause, and there's a reality check. Everything is going wrong. They have to travel when Mary's about to give birth. They're going somewhere they should be welcome, and they're not. And even the place where they could rent a room is unavailable. Now, Joseph and Mary aren't off doing something wrong, false, Bad. They're not out in right field when God has called them into left. They are exactly where they're supposed to be. And what's not happening? Things are not going right. Things are not going well. And if we take ourselves out of our story and we place ourselves here into the distress, the dismay, the fear that Joseph feels because his young, almost wife is singing a song of revolution. Herod is on the hunt. He can't find a place to stay to put them up. He can't even take care of his almost family. God, where are you? I thought that if I said yes, you would take care of everything. I thought that my obedience meant something else. This is a dark, dark night for Joseph. There's fear. From the Gospel of Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, 
son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Join me in a prayer for the dark night. Oh God, where are you? Oh God, do you see us? Oh God, do you hear us? Because of the tender mercy of our God, the day spring from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace, will visit you, shine on you, and guide you. There is one boon in the story from Mary and Joseph. Of course, they don't find this out right away. If you look at the icon in the top here, you see the three magi, the stargazers, making their way. You see them looking. Notice how far away that is from where Joseph sits in the picture. They don't even appear to be headed the right direction, but they're out there and they are seeking. And so in this story, we find some unlikely seekers. They're not Hebrews. They aren't those who've studied the Torah, the words of the prophets. They've seen it in the star, in the heavens. They're astrologers. They're reading the signs. So they make their way. They seek after truth. They're likely wealthy men for the gifts they bring, for the journey that they can take. Years. And for us, people of means, people of privilege, they offer us some hope. Because in this Christmas story, those with much have a posture of protection. They're hungry, they're greedy people. But these men 
of privilege are able to move past that and seek out the great king. So tonight, our invitation is to be people who seek. Join me in a prayer for seeking. O divine love, we go after power and money, and yet... O divine love, we covet new things, and yet... O divine love, we have forgotten you, and yet... In the Christmas story, one of my favorite groups to think about are the angels because they are so mysterious. Who are they? What do they look like? Do they look like those little hallmark things, little cherubs that are harmless? If they looked like that, then why was everyone so afraid when they showed up? Why were their first words almost always chill out? Don't be afraid. Relax. And so there's this moment that happens the night that Mary gives birth, when the time comes. And it's this moment where an angel shows up to some shepherds, and they were sore afraid. And the angel says, don't fear. I've got good news, not bad news. And proceeds to tell them about this thing that has happened. And so when the shepherds hear this, they go. But they don't go before a multitude of heavenly hosts show up. Now, we don't get to understand the interplay. Did God say, hey, angel one, you go tell the shepherds. And then there's going to be an act two. And then I'm going to really scare them because we're going to spread the sky full of you all. This is going to be fun. We're going to get the cameras out. We're going to watch. It's going to be good. We don't know what happens. But there's this part of me that wonders if once the rest of the angels found out what was happening, they had to get in on it. A rumor started to circulate that Gabriel went back down. And he's making another announcement. The time has come. And so the angel is saying, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. For unto you this day in the city of David is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this is how you'll know it. You'll see him and he'll be wrapped in clothes and in a manger. And then suddenly the sky bursts and you see the angels like children getting ready to sing a song, they're elbowing each other, and they just have to get their words in, and they sing out, glory, 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 in the highest heavens to God, and on earth peace to all the people, to everyone, because God is pleased with you, he loves you, he desires you. They couldn't keep their mouth shut. God maybe didn't say go, but they took it on themselves to go. I don't know if that's what happened, but that's what I like to imagine is happening in this story that there's something so amazing that God is doing that 
everyone wants to get in on it. And that's how it is. When God moves, we're drawn. And as he moves in this Christmas story, we're drawn. The bottom of this icon is actually one of the most intriguing to me with Joseph on the far side. And Jesus doesn't appear once, but he appears twice. And he's very difficult to see. But you see him right here, and he's with these two women, and they're washing him. It's infant baby Jesus, and he's being washed, he's being cleaned. Now, that is not in the stories we have in the Gospels. But if you know anything about childbirth, you know that somebody had to clean him up. And when I look at that image, when I see that, it reminds me of the vulnerability. Think about that. It's the mystery of the incarnation of God with us. Can't even clean himself. It takes two of the people he made to take care of him. And what we see when we gather around this Christmas story is that God does something really interesting in weakness and vulnerability, something that we don't expect, something that even scares us off. And it's that those are the places, those are the moments that he seems to show up. So what we're going to do together now is we're going to come we're going to take communion. We're going to come to the table. What the church has called for, for centuries the Eucharist, the great thanksgiving. And as we do that, we remember what happened the night Jesus was betrayed, where his body was broken. But let's also remember what happened the night he was born. That the infinite became small and helpless. That what happens on Christmas is the beginning. It is in character with the work we see God do on the cross for us. Let's pray. Abba, we gather tonight in great thanksgiving as we remember Emmanuel, God with us. We remember Jesus whose broken body is a wonder to ponder, whose infant cry is a mystery to hear. The Almighty becomes vulnerable. The Word, the Word, the one who spoke and all things came to life, couldn't say a thing. Tonight we remember the hurting among us, the sick, the lonely, the addicted, Tonight we remember that war still rages and we bring those moments into this moment and we hope, we long. God, you appeared in weakness, protect the weak. 
You died in violence. Bring peace. Pray love. Jesus, Emmanuel, we would taste and see your goodness. The goodness that renews in us your image. Together, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Friends, come to the table. The great Thanksgiving, the Eucharist. Taste and see. I think everyone knows that Christmas, Christmas and Easter are the two times of year when people who don't normally go to church, they come back. And in all the conversations that I'm, I have been a part of, people who only come back at Christmas and Easter, who, by the way, they're called Christers, uh, I don't know if you know that. Um, it's assumed that priesters exist because they show up a couple times a year to either make their spouse, someone in their family happy or just to appease the angry pagan god in the sky who will smote them with uh, fireworks and lightning if they don't come to church every once in a while. But I started to think maybe a little different about it. What if the reason Christers exist is because there's only two times a year we tell a good story. There's only two times a year we tell a great story. The rest of the time we relegate ourselves to self-help, uh, to potlucks, to getting together and singing songs. But we forget the story. All with good intentions. But we forget the story. So the question is, now, now what? What do we do tonight? We go home. I see presents in many of our futures. There'll be wrapping paper tomorrow. And that's all good. That can all stay. That can all happen. But if we believe this story... we believe this story can things really ever go back would we want them to so here's how we're going to close tonight I'm going to tell you the Christmas story And as I do that, we're going to light candles. As we hold the light in our hands, we remember the light of Christ that shines in the darkness. And as we hold that light, we'll close our night together. We'll end this time by singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So each went from where they were staying to the place of their family's home. 
Joseph also went up from Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was great with child. And while they were there, the time came. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and she laid him in a manger because there was for them in the end. In the same region also, there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were sore afraid. The angel said, do not fear. Relax. I've got good news of great joy which shall be for all people. For unto you this night in the city of David is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this is how you'll know it's him. You'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. Not in a palace, but in a manger. And then suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts crying out and praising God saying, Glory, 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 glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to all people whom God is pleased with. When the angels went away, the shepherds said to one another, let us go quickly and see this thing that God has made known to us. They made their way. They found Mary, Joseph, and the baby. And they told them all that had been said to them about this child. And Mary, she treasured all of these things in her heart. She pondered them. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. Those who live in the land of the shadow of death, on them light has shone. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government, and his peace, there shall be no, there shall be no end. Amen. I invite you to stand and let's sing as we close. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance up on you and give you peace. Amen. Merry Christmas. Find us online at www.awakencommunity or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.